Well, good day, my brothers. Welcome to Dusk Patrol Live or Dawn Patrol Live or Dusk Patrol on the YouTube channel, Three Crosses Men, or Dawn Patrol on the YouTube channel, Three Crosses Men, or the podcast, Three Crosses Men. However you are tuning in, I am blessed beyond measure that you've chosen to journey with us, to travel with the men's ministry here at Three Crosses. And ladies, if you're sneaking in, welcome. Uncles, kids, neighbors, welcome. Again, this is a safe space uh, where we're honest and vulnerable and don't have all the answers, but wrestle together as men with our Creator through the power of the Holy Spirit and come to some revelations, some truths that we wanna wrap our lives around to become better men. For God's glory, for the benefit of the people who have to live with us or get to live with us, and for our joy. That's why we're gathering. And I have to tell you, I'm fired up. It's a new season. I talked a little bit about it last week. This week, you're gonna have to forgive me a little bit because the two prior videos, I had my sound equipment with me. I brought my sound equipment with me today, which is the microphone and great audio, um, which I go home and edit. And I didn't bring my memory card. That one little piece, and if you're David Ledbetter or James Tyler or people that are familiar with all that it takes in production, you're laughing. I'm not laughing, so I'm on the old iPhone with the old iVideo or iPhoto or iMovie, whatever it is, i, back to the i world, and I'm doing the best I can. I'm, I'm pushing through. We don't have a staff, me and Kyle, we're just doing it together. We're editing, we're filming, we're trying to do um, God's work. That is why I'm blessed you've chosen to give me and us your time. I hope that it's fruitful for you. Uh, last week, we talked about the real deal. Uh, the Great Depression set in and uh, we had a great president. Um, all presidents are controversial. Some people say they're great, some people don't. We don't get po political here. I'm just telling you that a man rose up in the Great Depression and got the country back on track, and he brought to the table something called the New Deal. So it brought the country together and rallied around basics. Get people back to work, clean up banking, clean up lending, clean the country up, starting with the infrastructure, the often overlooked, underappreciated infrastructure, it's the New Deal. Well, we're building the kingdom of heaven and we've been confronted with, I think that's gonna turn into a depression. I don't know, I'm not an economist and I don't watch the news, but give me a break. I'm looking at our community shut down for a month now, gonna be a whole nother month. That can't be good for the economy. Recession, depression, we're splitting dice. It's tough for a lot of people. My son included, small business owner had to shut down his business now for two months. Wow, and some of you might be just working and plugging along as normal, that's awesome. Congratulations, other of us are working harder. Uh, some of us are working not at all. Regardless, we all are in this thing together and we are headed towards even more chaos as we reopen the country. That brings me to the real deal. What's gonna bring men's ministry specifically, because that's what I'm pastoring, the men's ministry here at Three Crosses, What's gonna bring the men's ministry through this next depression? Whether it's an economic depression or not, I gotta tell you, it's challenging, chaotic, 
uncertain times. And I don't want to beat the Corona horse into the ground because I'm sick of it. Plus, if I had that horse in front of me, I wouldn't beat it in the ground. I'd slap it in its lips. Man, that thing's been inconvenient. And people physically are suffering, dying. I mean, this whole thing's like, I don't want to get into it. What's going to bring men's ministry? Because like I said, when we first started men's ministry 15 years ago, or I stepped into the role of pastor of men 15 years ago, it's uh, a healthy man in a healthy men's ministry flushes out, trickles down into a healthy family, into a healthy church, into a healthy community. As the men go, so goes the tribe. Even if mama is running the house, as the man goes, so goes the tribe. That's not a sexist statement. That's not a domineering statement. That's not saying men are better than women. What's that saying is for some reason, men have an incredible amount of influence. Dads, sons, uncles, brothers. Now, you know, you've been around me 15 years. The second most holy day of the year is Mother's Day. What the planet would be like without women, what the family would be without women. And see, this is the problem I'm having of putting everything online because us men have gotten really honest. And I'm not saying, oh man, there's a gopher right here. Look at that. Be gone, sucker. I'm trying to make a video here, man. Oh, if I had my BB gun right here. Look at that, a little gopher. He's trying to eat. It's springtime. He probably trying to bring home some goods to the family. He's probably a boy gopher taking care of the family. Did I tell you, I just told you uh, two weeks ago how close nature is getting. I have a video of a hawk right on top of that little gate right there that I took two minutes ago. A hawk or a falcon, I can't tell the difference. Look at this little thing. Excuse me for the ADD moment, but this is fascinating. And I'm gonna have to shut you down, bro. I'm trying to make a little video, tell people about the good Lord and you gotta go away. You're messing with me and I'm afraid you got rabies with those big claws and you're gonna bite me. Anyway, that makes that table that sits right up front to me on the left with the flannels on, all the distractions and note passing and all that look like child's play. That's a real distraction, bro, with claws out, eating, grubbing, I'm gonna have to go get my little BB gun. He ain't gonna go away. Bro, there's weeds all over this joint. Go find another. <sighs> We're gonna have to continue with the gopher right there. Man, this is crazy. What do I put up with? See what I put up with with you guys? I'm afraid I'm gonna get rabies from the gopher. The gopher's biting human beings. That's a big sucker, man. Man. I might have to pause this and come back to it. All right, where was I? The real deal. So my conviction has always been a healthy uh, household, even if you live alone, man, is uh, God honoring, is good for the church, good for the people of God's church, good for the community, good for employees, good for employers, good for kids, good for wife, good for parents, a good, solid, healthy, God-honoring man is good for the planet. That's my conviction. I know the influence that males have in a household environment. When they're whiny and they're sick and they're grumpy, it affects the whole joint. Basically, everybody in the household has that kind of power. 
But for some reason, when a man gets his act together, it really trickles down. It really trickles down. And so that's my personal conviction based on what I've experienced, not what I've studied, based on what I've seen and witnessed for 56 years of living, not in my own household, well, that too, but in every household I've ever been a part of and witnessed and been blessed to be included in throughout my lifetime, and there's been a bunch. I tend to like people. So this is the new deal. It is directed at pulling men's ministry through this next season of chaos that the country is enveloped, the world is enveloped in. And it's not for everybody. I'm gonna tell you that right now. But as this is Holy Week, it's really bizarre. Uh, Palm Sunday was last Sunday and uh, it's Holy Week and our Lord entered Jerusalem and this was the last week on earth a couple thousand years ago, did some and said some very profound things. One of them was a reminder to himself and to his father through a prayer. He said, Lord, I've been faithful with the men that you've given me. That's my desire, is to be faithful with the men that the Lord has given me. And that's you, not every one of you, but you. And the real deal is my burden designed by me to minister to men who have the intent, they have the focus and the tools to grow, both grow spiritually and as men, as men of God, and to pass that growth on to other brothers. It is the foundation of men's ministry from day one to be fishers of men so that we can catch them, point them to the Lord, get them in right relationship with their creator, teach them how to live in the power of the Holy Spirit and pass what they've learned on to other men. To be a a group of disciple makers. That's been from day one and continues to this day, but we find ourselves in a new season. A season where I'm making videos every week and you know me, you've been in the room with me long enough to know I'm big on connection. I love the room, the energy, the chaos, the feedback. I don't like just spewing information. Not that there's anything wrong with that. I feed off of you brothers. And I can only envision you in your pajamas with the cereal and the milk and the coffee and the undone and the eyebrows. Jeez, already enough without the haircuts and the breath. The breath some of you must be garnishing right now. It's like, my goodness. Point being, this is for people who have the intent, the focus, and the tools to both grow spiritually and pass that growth on to other brothers, other people, other women, other people in our sphere. The world right now is hungry for answers, hungry for truth, hungry for the only thing the Lord Jesus says he can bring, peace. This world is upside down. We hold the keys of the kingdom. Man, the opportunities. This is where I had lunch with Moose last week. My goodness, wait till we get back together and you hear all of that profound goodness out of the opportunity of quarantined. We are forced into our neighborhoods. We are forced to slow down and it's beautiful. This is the real deal. Now we're gonna do this all the way to June. Eight weeks, eight videos, eight lessons. And some of you I will harness into Zoom groups, chat groups, phone call groups. And if you're a Timothy leader or been through a Timothy adventure group, which we stopped last year 
to encourage you guys to get involved with AJ's small group launch, which many of you did. Thank you. But it kind of, we don't have our Timothy network. We don't have that connection. We don't have those pockets of great men feeding into each other, breathing into each other's lives with little communities, micro communities. So we're going to reestablish if you're not in a small group, if you are available, you've been through that process, email me, mcampbell at threecrosses.org and Kyle, two people on the subject line, real deal. We're going to start to gather a community. Maybe it'll be 10, maybe it'll be 50. There's about 120 devices logging on weekly to what we're doing. Maybe it's 200 people. Maybe you're with your wife. Maybe there's a couple of you gathering together. Maybe it's 150. Who, who knows whatever it is. But some of you guys have the intent, have the focus and the tools to reach into your community in a new and dynamic way. Now it's Holy Week and uh, one of my most favorite passages in the entire last week of Jesus's life is in the upper room. So it's a couple of days from now 2000 years ago. And he's having very intimate conversations with his dear best friends. He's um, at the Passover meal. And if you turn to Luke 22, verse 31, you can see it. And this has always, always ministered to me. And it's a joy to share this with you. Um, it's clear that Jesus, um, his betrayer showed up. It's clear to Jesus that this is gonna be the last couple days on earth the disciples are really struggling. Um, they're literally in an upper room. They are expecting a military or political revolt. Guy rolls in on a donkey. Uh, he's talking about suffering and defeat. And it's pretty, the guys are undone a little bit. They're fighting over who's gonna be the greatest in the upcoming kingdom on the right, can I sit on the left? I mean, it's just really a lot of confusion happening. And Jesus says this to one of my favorite characters in the New Testament, Simon Peter. He says, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift each one of you like wheat. He has asked to sift you, Simon, like wheat. Now, I'm sitting in a garden. This is where my wife and I are gonna plant our garden, hopefully by the end of this week. Little, simple, little, nothing little boxes that maybe the gophers won't eat. That brother's gone. And uh, I've learned a lot about the Bible, about some of the metaphors that Jesus, has used, Jesus, has, Jesus uses, about fruit, about abiding. We're gonna get into the uh, John 14, 15 and 16 through this real deal. And uh, I'm gonna bring you to, it's, it's not a real sifter. If we were at the men's corner, I, I did this passage about eight years ago in 613. And I'm just gonna try to, cause see I'm working by myself. And we have a sifter in the men's corner in the shoeshine chair. And uh, I keep it as a reminder that part of um, being a man who wants to grow not just show up for the show. You know what I'm talking about here, fellas? Two kinds of men. Kind of men that wants to grow. Kind of men that just wants to show up for the show. Does that make sense? 
kind of guy that shows up for the show just goes from entertainment venue to entertainment venue. Sometimes his entertainment venue might be church. Sometimes it might be the Warriors. Sometimes it might be MMA, it might be the car in the garage. He shows up for the show. Shows up places with the intent of what do I get out of it? I'm talking about the intent to grow. The inspiration and the prompting and the intuition that bubbles up inside of us through the power of the Holy Spirit, urging us and nudging us towards transformation, movement, growth. That's why I like bar mitzvahs. Son, after this day, you put the G.I. Joe down and you pick up what a man would pick up. Get yourself acquainted with the Torah. Get yourself acquainted with becoming a man. The intent to grow, you've got to deal with the sift. Simon, Satan is asked to sift you. Now a sifter is when you take the wheat and you sift it. This are rocks. I know, bro, I'm a brand new gardener, but I know the difference between pea gravel and wheat. But work with me, I'm just doing the metaphor. And what you do is you sift with a sifter, something similar to this, and you sift out the chaff, the shell of the wheat, from the seed, the fruit, the grain of the wheat, the good part of the wheat. Now, in the old time days, you did that in a threshing room, a threshing room floor. A lot of the old prophets, and God spoke through prophets. Gideon was in the threshing room. And, and Comet, same principle. You would take the chaff, and that room would face, it'd be an open room, wall open to the... Uh, West, where the wind comes, goes through the room and you take the wheat and you throw it and the breeze would take the chaff out of the room and the grain would fall to the floor. Because you see, chaff is worthless. You can't burn it. You can't use it for mulch. It's a papery, bamboo-y, rough to decompose, doesn't burn good. It's nothing. And see, Satan is asked to sift Simon and the boys. And if you can get your head around how this whole pandemic is a giant sifting. And see, Satan and God are at work in this season. God is intimately involved in having this experience grow us through the sifting, through the uh, uncomfortable, through the squeezing, through the pressure, through the conflict, through the challenges, through the um, flexibility of, of going with, uh, with uncertainty and uh, rules changing every week and extended timelines of shelter in place and all of the things. Will you have a job? Is the job that you, you thought you were doing, is it uh, compatible with who you are? Are you lo losing hours? Are you now... Uh, stuck at home with the same people over and over and over and over and just the, the dishes and the pajamas and the news, the news, my goodness. I stopped watching the news four days ago. It's been a blessing, I'll figure it out. I see everyone's wearing masks today. They weren't wearing them yesterday. Something happened, I'm done. I'm, I can control some of the sifting, but a lot of the sifting is just the season we're in forgetting my memory card. Come on, man. I wanted this thing to sound right. 
I want, I had a vision where this thing would be like really professionally edited, but here we are in the dirt with a gopher and a screen and pea Come on, that wasn't my vision. You know what the line was for me? I was gonna go buy raw wheat. I go to Whole Foods, I wait in the line, I got the everybody around me with masks and I don't have one and I get to the bins and they're nothing. I got pea gravel on a screen. It's frustrating. Every step of every day of every, I'm sick of digital, I'm sick of all of it. I'm sick of the sift. But here's the problem. Here's the problem. The sifting is how we grow. <laughs> I'm such a sissy. I'm such a pansy. The sift is how we grow. Turn to James. It's a very common verse. It's, it's very, very common. It's not going to be rocket science. Every one of you listening have probably read it. Dear brothers and sisters, this is the New Living Translation, and the ladies snuck in here, so I like you brothers and sisters. When troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. Why? For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. Don't go for the show, go for the grow. It has a chance to grow, so let it grow. That's why I'm sitting in the garden. Gardens are for things that grow. Isn't it amazing? When Christ rose, they thought he was the gardener. It's back to Genesis 1 in the garden, Genesis 2. It's back to a new creation, a new day. It's spring. We are in the middle of a holy week, and the thing that starts the real deal is, brothers, embrace the sift. Consider it joy. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be per perfect and complete, needing nothing. And the goal is life transformation, not comfort, ease, and what we were used to. What we were used to is gone. It's over. And here we are in Holy Week. And the Lord says to us, I believe, to me, bro, get used to the sift. Now, in the in my life, and I've known I'm going here for two weeks now, there's chaff. There's stuff that's not good for me. Be a little honest with you. Marky Mark likes him some dark chocolate. Tommy's from Whole Foods or Greenleaf with sea salt and almonds. <laughs> Marky Mark has more time on his hands and is eating too much Tommy's chocolate. I gotta let that go. Now there are other things, a lot of other things that I've had to let go um, that I don't wanna get into, but I, I, wanna, I wanna challenge you. Let the sift happen this week. Picture everything, every tension point, every crisis as God's sifting and chaff will show up. You know, it's funny, I was watching Jimmy Fallon at home. He's doing his thing at home now. And he uh, does his little thank you things. It's just whatever. It's a t late night TV, whatever it is. I'm watching on Instagram, a little three minute clip. And he says, thank you, coronavirus, for showing me that it wasn't that I didn't have enough time to go into my home gym. It's that I never really intended to because now that I have the time, I still don't do it. There's a lot of stuff. I'm going through books right now that I'm never gonna read. If I don't have time to read them now, I'm never gonna read them. Chaff, distractions, big to-do lists, 
certain things in our home we're just not gonna do. We have the time now, nope, it's never gonna, movies that I have in my watch list, nope, if I can't watch them now, I'm never gonna watch them. It's so much freedom. It's so much freedom. There are things in my life, attitudes, habits, patterns, objects, junk. It's chaff. It is not helping me grow. And there are things in my life that are grain, wheat, fruit, good, that I want to plant, that I want to nurture, that I want to sprout, that I want to take to the other side of this coronavirus, that I want to emerge this summer when the real deal is over. These After these eight weeks, I wanna be a different man, more focused and more equipped to bring the kingdom of heaven to men and women who will never walk step foot into a church. That's what's so beautiful about this season. We are the church, it's not the building. And do we have what it takes to take advantage of the opportunities that God's put before us to make disciples? He says this, back to Luke. Simon, Satan has asked to sift you. And then the key to the whole thing. I love this. This is so comforting. Well, I'm going everywhere, but not to my text, not with my iPad now. I got gopher distractions, hawk distractions. I got it all going, bro. Verse 33. Uh, no, verse 32. But I have pleaded in prayer for you, Simon. It's amazing that in John 16 and 17, Peter, or John 17, Jesus prays for the disciples not yet born that have never had the opportunity to see him. He prays for us. The Lord begs God on our behalf. The Holy Spirit yearns for us on our behalf when we pray, cleaning up our limited prayer life. It's an amazing, an amazing truth that the unseen God of the universe present through the Holy Spirit all around us, in us, the sovereign God of the universe, the Lord Jesus sitting in the throne room, they're for us. They're praying for us on our behalf through this sifting, through this challenge, through this time, through this struggle. Your faith, I pray for you, Simon, that your faith would not fail. So that when you have returned, the Jewish word is teshuva, it's repent. It's so that when you turn back, when you come back to the man I created you to be, when you snap out of it. When you realize the sift is a big part of the growth process, Simon, when you come back after you've returned, you would strengthen your brother's faith. You would pass it on to somebody else, that you would make stronger disciples around you. When you share the things you learned in the sift. My brothers, I'm gonna challenge you as step one in the real deal is to embrace the sift and get ruthless on the chaff in your life. The Christian life, the, the man of God that's full of his Holy Spirit was never meant to be sin management. I get so concerned about some of my dear brothers who their, their whole faith life is sin management. It's supposed to be mist management, man, vapor management. We are here for a mist. We are vapor, Ecclesiastes. Life is meaningless, that word is vapor. Life is a vapor. It's here and then it's gone. What will we do for the vapor season that we have? 
It's missed management, man. It ain't sin management. Let the chaff go. And I know it's hard. Oh no. And now it's gonna rain. Come on. I'm just trying to make a little video for my, my crew. I got no sound card. I got gophers. I got hawks. I got rain coming. Come on, man. Lord, work with me a little bit. It's not supposed to be sin management. It's mist management. And in this season of mist for me, I want to accomplish the good works that the Lord has prepared for me to accomplish. And I know that some of you guys want to join me in that. So email me, mcampbell at thetreecrosses.org or kyle at thetreecrosses.org. And we're going to start sliding you into a file and I'm going to reach out to you and we're going to start Zoom mini micro discipleship groups. But first, you got to get rid of the chaff. You got ch chaff, chaff. You got to get rid of the, Shaft was a great movie, great soundtrack too. Got to get rid of the chaff and you got to hang on to what needs to remain. Strengthen, remember Revelation, strengthen what remains. Wrap your life around what remains. Can't tell you what no sugar's done, but the, forget the chocolate, but how much better I'm sleeping and how much more really energy I have at night and my creative juices start waking up and I'm actually picking up books that I really do want. I bounced over 200 books. Never gonna read that. Nah, never gonna read that. But that one, I'm gonna read. So identify the fruit and the wheat, embrace it. And number two, first is embrace the sift. Number two, focus clarity. So much has become clear. So much clarity has immersed in culture in the last month. And I can't imagine how clear things are going to be in a month from now with things um, that I can't believe that I was doing. Things that I took for granted, like wheat in a bin at Whole Foods. So much I've taken for granted. Um, the quiet times with people in my backyard. Man, I miss people in my backyard. Man, I miss um, Dawn Patrol. Man, I miss the men's corner. Man, I miss, I've just taken so much for granted. And there's other things that I went, I'm not doing that again. I'm not gonna get involved in, in uh, being tied to that because it's not producing fruit. It's not life-giving. It's life-sucking. I did it. It's over. That was a season. So focus. Focus on what gives you uh, life and what sucks your life from you and focus on the opportunities that lay before you, the mooses in your life. There's people in your sphere, whether it's a Zoom conference call now that you're closer with people in your work that you bypassed in hallways and now you're Zooming them and you've had great conversations. I've had great conversations on Zoom, phenomenal conversations. We have a little staff meeting now every Monday on Zoom. Uh, I've gotten to know people like in the prayer times more on a deeper level than I did sitting at a table with them. It's really weird. It's really, it's a great time to be alive. It's, and so if you guys don't get, get acquainted with this technology, that's fine. I just was on the phone with Ron Ritchie this morning and he's Zooming, he's in Idaho. He is Zooming people, he can't even text Ron, but he's Zooming his disciples and they're at Stanford and they're three weeks left in the Timothy thing and he's on cloud nine. He called me to say, have I ever heard of Zoom? Focus what stays and what goes and then reinvent yourself over the next eight weeks. I'm saying eight weeks because the church, who knows when it's gonna relaunch and then who knows when the midweek services are gonna launch. And I know that if we come together, it's gonna be once before our summer 
break and people are tired and they are gonna be going back to work and we don't know what it's gonna be, but I know for eight weeks, I'm gonna be making these videos and we're gonna be leaning into the pockets of brothers that wanna grow as disciple makers, as disciple makers, that they want to not only take the wheat, the good, the, the what they've learned, what they're, they see as fruitful in their lives, things that they want to stay, remain and grow and plant them so that they can produce good fruit. So in review, my brothers, we are going to embrace the sift, embrace the challenge, the struggle, the chaos, the uncertainty, embrace it as a testing time for your faith with joy. That might be a big step for some of you. Get over your attitudes, get over um, the things aren't going your way. Get over what you need to get over through trusting the Holy Spirit, because whatever you desire to get over and put behind you, I trust that the Lord desires it more. Embrace the sift, separate the chaff from the wheat and don't wrap your life around the chaff, wrap it around the grain so that we can get a nice piece of fruit to start with, to work with, to wrap our lives around as we reinvent ourselves in the coming months on who we're going to be, who we're going to become. Remember, Jesus says to Simon Peter when he first met him, you will become a great man of God. You will become rock man, Petros, somebody dependable. Well, three years later, he said, Simon, you're gonna get sifted. Satan's asked for you and I've prayed for you so that when you return, when you reinvent yourself, when you come back out of that funk, you can strengthen your bros. It's always been about discipleship. It's always been about fishing for men. It's always been about pouring into other people so that our lives will produce fruit. The harvest is rich. The harvest comes down to what we're sowing we'll reap. A lot of people uh, have walked the earth and went, I, I harvest. I don't ever have the opportunity to lead anybody to the Lord or minister to anybody on a deep level. And that's what we were made for. And I believe it's because we are we don't have a, a, a good harvest in our life maybe because we're not acquainted with sowing, planting. One of the greatest harvesters in the New Testament was the Apostle Paul. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter two, 1 Corinthians chapter two and three, but they're all right there. Now, Paul's introducing himself to a Corinthian um, community. We were very much a Corinthian um, community steeped in merchandise, material goods, athletic events, and theater, and eroticism. It's, we're very much a Corinthian community. And early on in the letter, he talks about how they prefer Apollos' teaching and style and eloquence to Paul's. It's kind of like we prefer live Danny than digital Danny, or we prefer digital Mark to live Mark, or, you know, it's the same old thing all over again. Come on, man. And he says this, um, he says this, I love this. I came to you in weakness, sifted out, tired, limping. I came to you in weakness, timid and trembling, and my message and my preaching were very plain. Rather than using clever and per pervasive speech, per uh, persuasive speeches, I relied on the power of the Holy Spirit. See, mismanagement, 
not sin management, is life in the spirit. What the real deal comes down to is living in the power and the freshness and the adventure and the strength and the surplus of the Holy Spirit, not our own strength, not our own works. It's learning afresh how to sense, hear, uh, press into and follow God's spirit that resides within us, that is waiting to break out of this depression with a new sense of harvest and growth and fruit in the church. That's what's happening here. I relied on the power of the Holy Spirit. I did this so you would not trust in menly wisdom. Look at this in chapter three, uh, verse six. Let's start with five. After all, who is Apollos? Who's Paul? We're only God's servants whom you believed the good news through. Each of us did the work the Lord gave us. Each of us wrapped our lives around the fruit. We didn't wrap our lives around the chaff. I planted the seeds in your heart and Apollos watered it, but it was God who gave the harvest. We're gonna spend some time in spiritual gifts. We're gonna spend some time in how a, a spiritual makeup of how we all are made different, but know how you're made up and become great sowers. When you return, Simon, strengthen your brother's faith. Be focused on strengthening the people around you. That's the real deal, all in love. The whole thing is gonna be sandwiched in love. The whole thing is love. The whole thing is learning to love your God with all your heart and all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. It's the real deal and that comes with embracing the sift, readjusting your focus and having the attention to gather the tools that will help you succeed in making disciples in bringing forth God's harvest. Now, when we talk about planting seeds in the sower, like in this field, the Old Testament sowers were just guys that had satchels of seeds and threw them and the rain would come and it would plant them. But in today's economy, we plant seeds intentionally. This is the first, look at this, look at this little gopher hole right here. Marky Mark's gotta put a new cage in the bottom of this, in this planter. We had a great garden last year. But this year I planted my seeds intentionally in these boxes, I got my tomatoes. They just got hailed on and they're beat up. They're sad looking right now, but this guy's a survivor. I can see it. And this guy's got a nice little new green leaf. My point is I intentionally planted seed by seed and box by box. I've intentionally planted seeds in moose, seeds of wonderment, seeds of intrigue, health, love, generosity, Stuff he's not used to. What? It's not tough. It's the real deal. Love your God. Love your neighbors yourself. But you got to embrace the sift. And you've got to get clarity to what it is that needs to stay and what needs to go. And you got to be willing to grasp the tools that we're going to be discussing over eight weeks and on into the future. Be great sowers. Paul was a great harvester because he was a great sower. He became all things to all men for the sake of winning just a few. And that's what we're gonna look at. First Corinthians nine, we're gonna look at some great stuff. John 14, 15, 16, first Corinthians nine, Romans five. Oh, I just can't wait. I love you guys. I love you. I pray for you. I miss you. We're all challenged. I'm challenged at a deep level. Gophers, hawks, rain, technology. 
sound equipment, editing. It's all a sift. It's all a sift. Every day, there's challenges, traffic, storms, arguments, misunderstandings, losing at Monopoly to the family. Who loses it to the children at Monopoly? I did. It's challenging, it's sifting, it's humbling. Economics, health, misunderstanding, embrace it. Embrace it. Let the chaff go. Wrap your life around the grain. John Steinbeck, one of my favorites. Picked this, picked this book up last night off the bookshelf, 1,000 pages. It's a biography of John Steinbeck. I'm not gonna read it. It's gonna go straight to Salvation Army when I leave here. I pick it up, I flop it open last night. One of the saddest epitaphs I've ever read is right here. April 1935, John Steinbeck is rejected from a New York publisher on one of his most promising books. He's in a real funk. His dad falls ill and is in his daughter's home, John Steinbeck's sister's home, 10 miles from here in Watsonville, dying. In May, he ends up dying. And this is a little note that John wrote to his stepmother or godmother, Elizabeth Bailey, regarding his dad's funeral. I should have preferred no service at all for dad. I can think of nothing for him so eloquent as silence. That poor silent man, all of his life. I feel very badly, not about his death, but about his life. For he told me only a few months ago that he had never done anything that he wanted to do. That might be the saddest thing I've ever heard. You know what I really wanna do? I really wanna be rich in brothers around me that are rich in the Lord. I wanna die an old man. I would like my miss to last for another 40 years, 50. I'd like to um, be a man who made disciples and that those disciples would be equipped enough to make more disciples. That's what I really wanna do. I want my kids, my grandkids, and my great grandkids to walk with God. I want the people that are in my life, in my everyday life, in my you know, sphere, everywhere that I go, to see the Lord alive and exuding through me. Have them lean in and me having the tools to bring them into the kingdom and equip them as new men and women of the Lord. That's what I really wanna do. I don't want somebody to write that about, you know, old pops never really got rid of that chaff, never really got rid of that demon, never got past the, you fill in the blank. Now, my dad made disciples. My dad changed the world, his world. Wherever my dad went, people saw God. Starts with embracing the sift, moving on into getting some clarity through focus and onto the tools that come from living from the fruit, the grain of your life, the goodness that God's placed in you and having the tools and the wherewithal, the presence of mind to take advantage 
of what God puts in front of us and who God puts in front of us for his glory so that we can sow seeds of righteousness. Galatians 5, 6, what a man sows, he reaps. God bless you, brothers. Miss you. Can't wait to see you. Email me, mcampbell at the threecrosses.org or Kyle, both, not or. Email us both. We're building a little file. We're going to start a micro discipleship group called The Real Deal. Equipping men to equip other men through love and serving them and pouring truth and goodness and, and, um, spiritual knowledge into them for their sake and God's glory in our joy. Peace.